What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down the 2024 Rookie Pick Stock Watch. You guys love the 2023 version of this video. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out that I did last Monday where I broke down each position, all the players that we know about, how I see the class developing, where the tier breaks, which position groups are strong, which position groups are deep. All that stuff was covered about the 2023 class last week, but I'm sure if you guys have 2024 picks, you're probably also curious, hey, is the 2024 class any good? Is Caleb Williams the truth? Is all these players that we are hearing about right now, how does the class develop? How does it stack up with 2023? Should we be buying 2024 picks, etc.? So I'm basically going to break down the state of the union of the class. If you guys enjoy this video at any point, leave a like down below, comment any of your thoughts down below as well and subscribe if you are new around here. I promise this is the only place you need to be for the most degenerate caliber dynasty fantasy football content that you will find out there. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so before we get into the player stuff, this is the most important part of the entire video. This is what sets the table for the entire class, in my opinion, because we say this same dynasty jargon every single year. Every single year, we say this year's class is going to be better than last year's class, or the next year's class is going to be better than the upcoming crop of players that we're looking at right now, because a lot of people are doing it. They're saying the 2023 class is a great class, but 2024 might be even better. And the reason that I say this and that a lot of people are saying this is, is because the needle movers in Dynasty that uh, help a class become great to excellent, excellent to all time, legendary, all that kind of stuff is because of the strength of two position groups. It is quarterback and it is running back. And the reason it's quarterback is because I play only in super flex drafts or two quarterback leagues. So those are the two strongest position groups in the 2024 class as it currently stands. And I will break down the nitty gritty of that in a second. But even at wide receiver and tight end in this class, we have some generational transcendent caliber prospects that help elevate the class. The depth is a little bit suspect as I'm going to get into, but as of right now, we're not really concerned with depth because when we can count on two hands, the amount of generational transcendent, great prospects at important positions like quarterback, like running back, and then some high caliber wide receivers and tight ends as well. It makes those early to mid 2024 first that much more valuable. And for those of you guys that are doing dynasty startups right now, start collecting these picks before people know what hit them because they might know, you know, the average dynasty player might know about Caleb Williams. They might know about Marvin Harrison, but the strength at the top in this class is very, very evident after doing this exercise. So let's start with the quarterback position. I think without a shadow of a doubt, this position group is going to be better in 2024 than it was, especially in 2022, but even more so in 2023, which we like Young and Stroud. We like Will Levis. We like, you know, some of the guys that we know about for this year's class, but there is something different with the 2024 quarterback class that we do not have in the 2023 quarterback class. So if you guys are in a dynasty league right now, let's say you guys have four 2023 first round picks and three 2024 first round picks, just as an example. If you're looking to fill out your quarterback position, let's say you just have Justin Herbert as your main quarterback and you have some other guys, but they're not high-end caliber assets. I would advise you to wait until the 2024 class to fill out your quarterback position because let's say you have four 2023 first, you get the 101 this year, you grab yourself B. John Robinson, you get the 106, the 110, and the 111, and you don't know, hey, should I reach on a Will Levis, a Hendon Hooker, a whoever that goes in the first round of the 2023 class, or should I just wait until the 2024 class for some of these prospects? I promise you, if you are rebuilding, 
this quarterback class is going to be the anchor, the centerpiece of some of that rebuilding pieces. Instead of forcing a Will Levis pick, if you miss out on Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, I highly, highly suggest you to go after quarterbacks in this class. And hell, if you pick at 103 this year and you're not sold on CJ Stroud, I would highly suggest that you trade that pick away for a high-end 2024 pick that will get you a better quarterback. So the quarterback position in Superflex, this is the position that carries the most value. If you guys do a first round mock draft right now, seven, eight, nine, ten of the first round picks are quarterbacks outside of, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I think you can make the argument that the entire first round should be quarterbacks. So apologies to those of you guys that play in one quarterback dynasty leagues, but I play in only Superflex two quarterback leagues. So this will be a very Superflex centric type of video. Rookie drafts remain the cheapest place that you can get elite quarterback production. So if you can hit on a high-end rookie pick, if you can hit on, let's say, a Trevor Lawrence from this past, uh, from two years ago, a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow from a couple years ago, these players can accumulate value like no other position in Dynasty. And in the 2023 class, we determined in the last video I did that Young and CJ Stroud are locked and loaded, solid prospects that are going to be top 12, top 15 caliber dynasty quarterbacks as soon as they enter the NFL because we expect them to get high draft capital, first, second, third, fourth, fifth overall caliber picks. But although they're the best quarterbacks in 2023, they are not as tantalizing of fantasy prospects as we've seen in recent years from guys like Trevor Lawrence, from guys like Justin Fields, from guys like Trey Lance, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, etc. They're more in the Tua range of outcomes, which is not a bad quarterback, right? You'd be happy if Bryce Young turned into Tua Tungavailoa with the way that Tua has developed himself into a solid dynasty asset now. But the type of dudes that we got in 2024, man, without further ado, let's get to the 2024 101, which is USC's Caleb Williams right now. Caleb Williams is recording a 90.9 PFF passing grade, 10th in the NCAA, 9.1 yards per attempt, a 34 to three touchdown interception ratio. But the intriguing thing, for fantasy about Caleb Williams that Young and Stroud do not possess is his 524 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. He also has an unbelievable arm that is probably the best I've seen since Trevor Lawrence, which isn't saying much because it was just two years ago, but it would probably rank top five over the last you know, 10 draft classes or so. And again, we're still talking about a true sophomore quarterback right now. He is the minus 3000 favorite for the Heisman trophy. So he is probably going to win the Heisman this year, especially after his performance on Saturday night against Notre Dame. And he is the clear one-on-one of this class. He is the Bijan of this class as well, except instead of a running back, which we know doesn't hold as much fantasy value long-term, he's a quarterback. A lot of people are pulling out the Mahomes comparisons and rightfully so because he has the arm talent. He has the mobility. He has the electrifying playmaking ability that Patrick Mahomes has. I'm not going to compare him to him yet, but he will be a first round startup pick the second he touches NFL grass. So Caleb Williams is the prize possession of the 2024 class. If you guys buy 2024 picks, you are hoping and praying that they turn into Caleb Williams. But the second place prize is no slouch either. North Carolina's Drake May. Keep in mind that there isn't a ton of degenerates out there mocking the 2024 class. So I'm not going to be using the NFL mock draft database that I've been using for the 2023 class. I'll kind of just give you guys an, uh, an aggregate, an idea of where I think these players are going to go based on my own research. I think Drake May will be a top 10 pick. I think after the NFL learns about him, I promise this guy will be a first rounder. Fourth highest graded passer in the country right now with a 91.0 PFF passing grade, 8.7 yards per attempt, and a 35 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio. He can scoot also 801 yards rushing and six touchdowns on the ground. He is making a legit case for the clear 102 in the 2024 NFL draft. These Two, in my opinion, are the battle for quarterback one, but this class has plenty of other options 
that are intriguing. Both guys that are first eligible at quarterback and guys that could potentially return that I talked about in the 2023 video. The first eligible second tier of quarterbacks, so to speak, is also very intriguing. We have Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. We have Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, who's Danny's favorite team, and Ole Miss's Jackson Dart. Quinn Ewers, as a Texas fan, I can tell you he's had an up-and-down season. He's not been consistent enough yet to warrant being a first-round quarterback. But the mold of a first-round quarterback is absolutely there for Quinn Ewers. He's got Justin Herbert caliber tools, the arm talent, the mobility. But right now, he's got like Sam Darnold caliber decision-making, which is not ideal. No guarantee that he's going to become a first-round quarterback, but the pedigree is there. He was a perfect prospect rating coming out of high school. We know NFL teams value that high school talent. And the dude's got everything he needs to pull it together his junior year next year because he has been playing hurt for what it's worth in the second game of the season against Alabama. Somebody pile-drived his shoulder into the ground. So he may transfer this year after um, Arch Manning comes in because uh, Arch Manning, the nephew of both Eli and Peyton Manning, is coming into Texas as the quarterback next year. We don't know if Quinn Ewers is going to win that job outright, if he's going to transfer and go somewhere else. But I'm definitely intrigued to see what Quinn Ewers can do next year when he's fully healthy. J.J. McCarthy, who is the Michigan quarterback right now, we don't have any mock draft data on these guys yet, but he is a fun player, man. 8.2 yards per attempt, 16-2 to touchdown to interception ratio. He has some dual threat ability as well with 306 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Again, another five-star recruit with Herbert caliber tools. He has the same kind of you know, mold as Justin Herbert plays for a big program at Michigan. He's going to make the college football playoffs this year. Who knows? Maybe he wins a national championship, which will get the attention of NFL scouts as well, because they love winning quarterbacks, even though that we know QB wins are not necessarily a stat. The NFL cares if a quarterback can win in college. Jackson Dart is the final guy that's in this like second tier of quarterback behind Caleb Williams and Drake May. He was a four-star recruit to Ole Miss or actually to USC, but then he transferred to Ole Miss playing at a high level in the SEC alongside a a very potent run game with Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans at Ole Miss there. 8.1 yards per attempt and an 18 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio. He has also added 624 rushing yards on the ground as well. Literally all three of these guys were four or five star recruits. And in Quinn Ewer's case, he had a perfect prospect rating. They all three of them have NFL tools. They all have big arms. They all can run. They all have mobility inside the pocket. I doubt all three of these guys hit. I'm not saying that they're all going to be great because we know that's not really how the NFL draft process works. We know that, you know, players that are good, their freshmen and sophomore years don't necessarily always get better as their college careers goes along. But all I'm saying is that if one or maybe two of these guys can hit and become first round caliber quarterbacks, then you've got yourself a very, very nice looking quarterback class. If it's headed by Caleb Williams at number one, overall, you get Drake may as a top five pick. And then maybe you get, let's say Quinn Ewers takes a step forward after he transfers or something. And JJ McCarthy takes a step forward at Michigan. Suddenly you've got four first round caliber quarterback prospects that are going to make this draft class very good. And we also have Florida's Anthony Richardson, who is going to be eligible this year to play in the NFL in the 2023 class, but we have rumors that he might go back to school. And if he enters the transfer portal, or if he stays at Florida and he just goes back to school, then we're talking about a guy that has legitimate dual threat ability, as does Arkansas's KJ Jefferson, going back to school, getting another year of experience under their belt and making this quarterback class just that much better. And we also have the possibility that a Hendon Hooker, a Kenny Pickett, a Zach Wilson, or a Joe Burrow, like we've seen in each of the last four years, comes out of the woodworks that nobody knew about and enters themselves into the first round caliber quarterback conversation. So I would say without a shadow of a doubt, this quarterback class will be better than 2023s. It will be better than 2022s by a long shot and get yourself some 2024 picks if you are in need of the quarterback position. So that was the big position group in the 2024 class because the QBs are going to drive the strength of the class overall. But now let's get to the 
running back position. We do not have a Bijan Robinson caliber prospect in this class, nor do we have one really in any class for the most part. But the battle at the top for RB1 is no slouch. There are some great running back prospects at the top. The battle of RB1 is probably between three guys, in my opinion. Arkansas's Raheem Rocket Sanders, Ohio State's Travion Henderson, and Wisconsin's Braylon Allen. Plus, we have a couple other guys with an outside shot of getting there as well, with Michigan's Donovan Edwards, Clemson's Will Shipley, a couple other guys later on. I'm not really going to discuss too much depth in this group because we need to wait for that to develop as the seasons go along. But the first tier of running backs is really what we want to focus on. Travion Henderson of Ohio State, 5'10", 214 pounds. He's having a bit of a down season after recording an awesome freshman year, 1,500 total yards, 19 total touchdowns, averaging 7.5 yards per touch as a true freshman at Ohio State, a huge program with a number of talented guys around him. He's still a very intriguing guy because he's got the size. He's just been battling a foot injury throughout this year. And I think Come next year, he'll probably have a much better season. And we actually saw that similar career arc from a former Ohio State running back with J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins came in, had an awesome freshman year, down sophomore year, and then absolutely exploded for 2,000 yards as a junior. And he was, uh, you know, obviously a great prospect in 2020. And I think Travion Henderson would still be my favorite to be the RB1 in this class. But definitely he is being edged out right now by this guy, Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders of Arkansas, who has rushed for 1,449 yards this year, 6.6 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns with a PFF rushing grade of 88.3, which is 25th in the NCAA right now. And he's forcing a missed tackle on almost 30% of his carries. Raheem Sanders has a 9.5% target share with 27 catches, playing in an offense that is very run centric with KJ Jefferson, who's a mobile quarterback. So the fact that he's, you know, a six foot two, 227 pound running back, about the dimensions of like Najee Harris, for example, and he's got that breakaway speed that Najee Harris doesn't have. He's got the receiving ability. He's got pretty much a complete package of skill set. Definitely an intriguing running back prospect, and he will be somebody that finds his way into the early to mid to late first round area of 2024 rookie drafts, as will Braylon Allen of Wisconsin, who is the final, I would say, tier one running back in this class. Allen is very intriguing because he is still so, so young. He is 18 years old right now, and he will only be 20 years old, barely, by the time he takes his first NFL snaps in his rookie season in the NFL. Us anti-running back age truthers like myself, you guys know I don't like investing in you know 23-year-old rookie running backs and stuff like that. We are going to love ourselves some Braylon Allen at age 20 years old playing his first NFL snaps. He also has had a bit of a down sophomore year, which is kind of a trend with this um, class in general as some of the freshmen haven't perf- uh, performed as well in their sophomore years. But an 80.9 PFF rushing grade is still very solid. yards per carry, 1,125 rushing yards, and 10 touchdowns. There's actually rumors swirling right now that he might want to transfer to either Michigan or to USC or some of these teams that might be vying for his services this offseason. He's kind of come out and said that he wants to stay at Wisconsin, but honestly, I would prefer him to go to a different school because Wisconsin doesn't throw to their running backs, and that will be a question mark for Braylon Allen coming out in 2024 is how well can this guy catch the ball because he's not being used that way as of right now, but he's got great size. He's like 240 pounds. He's kind of got that Jonathan Taylor build to him. It's very easy comparison because he plays for Wisconsin. I would love to see Braylon Allen get more used in the passing game, but he is definitely an intriguing prospect. Nonetheless, like I said, I'm not going to go too, too in depth on each of these positions, but there will be other guys that emerge throughout the year. um, You know, maybe later in the year this year, or next year, but Donovan Edwards and Will Shipley are the final two running backs that I'm going to cover here. Donovan Edwards of Michigan listed six foot one, 204 pounds on the Michigan website. He is going to be a big time breakout candidate next year because Blake Corum, who is currently 
probably the favorite to win the Doak Walker award this year as the best running back in college football is averaging 7.5 yards per carry behind Blake Corum. So when he gets opportunities, he's been very good. He has 687 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. He leads the NCAA and PFF receiving grade, which is the really intriguing part about Donovan Edwards, 91.1 PFF receiving grade. And he just had his first game really where he was the full-time starter because Blake Corum was limited against Ohio State of all teams. Michigan, Ohio State was a great game on the weekend. And Donovan Edwards was the workhorse for Michigan with 225 total yards, 24 touches with two touchdowns. So he proved that he can kind of carry the workload against a very, very good Ohio State team that was third in the country coming into the game. So Donovan Edwards, definitely somebody that could rise as the season goes along next year. And potentially he could, he could elevate himself to RB one if he continues to have a great ascension. And then will Shipley of Clemson, 81.7 rushing grade right now, 1,076 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns at 5.8 per carry. His target share is over 8% for Clemson with 30 catches on the season. He's more of an interesting like day two caliber name for me. He's 5'11". He's 205. He's a white running back, so he's probably going to get slandered no matter what. But he's definitely a fun player. He's not you know Christian McCaffrey caliber of running back, but he's definitely somebody that is going to be intriguing, plays for a big school, so he's going to get a lot of attention that way as well. So far, the running back class, I would say if I had to evaluate it, I would say it's a little hit or miss right now because some of these guys are underperforming. But if the top guys can hit, I'm sure we're going to have some depth emerge as the season goes along next year. But for right now, I would say this running back class is above average. It's a strong running back class, but it's not as good as 2023s. It's certainly better than 2022s. It's certainly better than probably 2021s as well, because in that class, we just had ETN, Javante Williams, and Najee Harris. I would say it's probably one of the better classes of the past couple of years, but it's not going to hold a candle to 2020 or 2023. So let's get to the wide receiver class. And it starts off with an absolute bang, because the thing I love about the 2024 class in general is, is not only do we have legit dudes at every position, we have the argument that you can make that these are transcendent generational talents at each position at the top, right? At quarterback, we have Caleb Williams. At running back, we have the, the three guys that I mentioned. At wide receiver, we have Marvin Harrison Jr. Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the son of Pro Football Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison of the Indianapolis Colts. Marvin Harrison Jr. right now, 89.6 PFF receiving grade, which is second in the country right now, 1,157 yards, 12 touchdowns, 29% target share on the season as a true sophomore competing with Amika Ibuka, who is another first-round caliber wide receiver who I'm going to talk about in a second, plus Travion Henderson, plus Jackson Smith and Jigba when he's been on the field, and the other probable five-star recruits that Ohio State has on their roster as well. He's six foot four, 205 pounds, which is a little surprising considering his dad was not a big receiver. He was six foot, 185 pounds. He was comped to like Devontae Smith when he was coming out. Um, this guy's going to draw comparisons to some of the best wide receiver prospects that we've seen this century. He's going to draw comparisons to Jamar Chase. He's going to draw comparisons to Julio Jones and to Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, some of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen, and he absolutely is warranted of those comparisons. The rest of this wide receiver class hasn't really developed fully yet, but knowing that Marvin Harrison Jr. is at the top of this wide receiver class makes it that much better for those of you guys investing in 2024 picks. Marvin Harrison Jr., just think of him in the realm of how we thought of Jamar Chase after his sophomore campaign, because that is how we need to view Marvin Harrison Jr. as a prospect. So like I said, the, West, the rest of the wide receiver class has not fully developed itself yet because it is still a year away. So not a ton of solid, you know, day two names, depth pieces have been kind of shown to us so far, but there are two more guys that have legitimate first round caliber buzz first round caliber tools and talents. And the first guy is Xavier Worthy, another Texas player, Hook'em Horns, having a bit of a down season again this year. Another similar trend with this class with just a 71.5 PFF receiving grade, 600 
373 yards and eight touchdowns on the season, but he does have a 28% target share. He's had some brutal drops this year, which would have, you know, have made his stat line a lot better. He's dropped like a couple bomb touchdowns, one against Alabama and another one in another game. I can tell you right now that on film, when you actually watch Xavier Worthy, he looks very good. He, he looks like he's a first round caliber wide receiver. He's not quite as dominant as he was as a true freshman last year when he had a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns. But he's had shaky quarterback play with Quinn Ewers being hurt. Hudson Carter's not very good when he's been in there. He's definitely got ability. You can see it. It's very clear. I hope he has a big-time junior season because I do think this guy can be a first-round caliber wide receiver. Like I said, he's got that Devontae Smith caliber size profile. Six foot one, 170 pounds or so is what he's listed at on the Texas website. He's a slender dude, but he definitely can fly, and he's a very good route runner as well. Moving on to Amika Igbuka, which I think is the other kind of like first-round caliber wide receiver here. Obviously, the teammate of Ohio State's Marvin Harrison, top 30-graded wide receiver in his own right this year at 80.8. 1,039 uh, receiving yards, nine touchdowns, including two touchdowns on the ground with 80 rushing yards as well. 26% target share, very impressive as a former almost perfect score recruit himself. Coming out of high school, he had like a 9.98 uh, prospect rating. So this is a very, very highly recruited player coming out of high school. Like I said, playing alongside Marvin Harrison, that's very tough to command a 26% target share in that type of environment with that type of dominant presence at wide receiver. As a true sophomore, it's definitely an impressive feat to be putting that up. So these three guys, I would say, are the clear like first round caliber wide receivers right now. Then there's just a bunch of names after them. None of them have really shown to be very productive so far in their career. They have some buzz around them from, you know, previous stops or recruiting and all that kind of stuff. But USC's Mario Williams, Alabama's Ja'Cory Brooks and JoJo Earl, Notre Dame's Lorenzo Styles, Clemson's Bo Collins. There's definitely some more names that are going to emerge as the class moves along. But I would say as of right now, those three guys that I talked about in depth are the only three that I'm comfortable saying are probably going to be first round NFL draft picks or at least top 50 NFL draft picks. So definitely the 2024 wide receiver class does not look deep as of right now, but things can definitely change. It's not looking promising depth-wise outside of the three names I broke down, but that can change as the season goes along this year and as the season develops next year. So to close this video out, let's look at the tight end position, and it definitely looks promising at the top. We, You guys should probably know the name I'm about to say, but we have another generational caliber prospect in this class at the top with Georgia's Brock Bowers. Fifth highest graded tight end in the country, 645 yards and five touchdowns this year on a 16% target share while sharing the field with some very, very talented tight ends that are probably going to get day two draft capital, at least day three draft capital in the NFL draft with Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington, who's probably going to be a top 50 pick himself. 2.09 yards per route run after leading the country with 3.24 yards per route run as a true freshman last year. So Brock Bowers' hype has really come off of the back of his freshman season when he was one of the highest graded tight ends in the country, 3.24 yards per route run. Slight downtick in production this year from last year, but that's understandable given the tight ends that they added to the core. In tight end premium leagues, though, you can imagine this guy already being valued as a top eight rookie pick, as a top five dynasty tight end, potentially top three dynasty tight end alongside your Kyle Pitts and your Mark Andrews and your Michael Mayer, who's going to be in the 2023 class. These are the type of dudes that we want to invest in at the tight end position. Middling tight ends are very, you know, far and few between in the NFL. It is very difficult to find a guy like Brock Bowers, who's going to be a great prospect from Georgia. And the other guy that is getting a lot of buzz is another Texas player, Jatavion Sanders, who I've seen quite a bit of this year, 79.1 PFF receiving grade on the year, 577 receiving yards, five touchdowns, on an 18.5% target share while sharing the field with some talented players like Bijan, like Roshan Johnson, like Xavier Worthy, and some of the other guys that they have at Texas there. 
He's a fun player, man. Jatavion Sanders is explosive. He's big. He's physical. He kind of reminds me of like David Njoku. I don't know if exactly he's going to test that well, but he does look very good. And he is probably a, a top 20, top 30 pick in the actual NFL draft if he continues to play at the level that he's been playing at. So Jatavion Sanders, another guy that's emerging in this tight end class is potentially being a two-man race instead of just a Brock Bowers and everybody else type of race for the tight end one in the class. There's some other names in this class, but there's nobody really significant yet. We have Michael Trigg from Ole Miss. We have Elijah Arroyo from uh, Miami, and we have Gavin Bartholomew, elite name, by the way, from Pittsburgh. These are some of the guys that are getting some buzz, but not anything concrete outside of Brock Powers and Jatavion Sanders in the tight end class. So thank you guys for joining me on Fantasy Football D-Gen Hour because pretty much nobody else on YouTube, I think, is talking about 18 and 19-year-old college players that aren't even going to be draft eligible until Elon Musk has burned Twitter to the ground. So if you guys enjoyed this video, as always, leave me a like down below. It really worked uh, very hard on this, and I appreciate all the support. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well and leave any of your comments down below. Going to be adding 2024 rookie rankings to our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto as soon as I'm done this video. So if you want access to that, you can get our 2023 rankings, 2024 rankings, all of our Dynasty positional rankings, bucketed rankings by tier, all that good stuff will be available in our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto. If you guys want to check that out in the pinned comment or in the description down below, you can get access to it via patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. So if that interests you, go ahead and check it out. But with that being said, peace out and we'll talk to you soon. Why you need the money?